The Blue Jackets lost a otherwise forgettable game in Pittsburgh last night, but there are bigger things to talk about. Is it time for the Blue Jackets to move on from Brad Larson? Is he hurting the team more than he's helping them? Uh, we're going to talk about all of that and more on today's Locked on Blue Jackets. Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you news, stories, uh, trials, relations, yelling. There's going to be a lot of yelling in today's episode and more about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube. So, uh, if you haven't hit subscribe over there, please feel free to do so. It helps me out. It helps you out. Everybody wins. So uh, let's let's talk about the game because I want to talk about the game in a vacuum, first of all, um, just the game as it is. And then I want to talk about the things in this game that, are, that have kind of been worrying me all season and getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so let's 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 start off with just the game in a vacuum because in a vacuum, I don't think this was a terrible game. Um, the Blue Jackets outshot the Penguins 39-34. to 34. They beat them in face-offs. Uh, they opened the scoring. They had a really strong first period. Johnny Gaudreau opened the scoring uh, exactly a minute in. And from there, it all just kind of went downhill. Um, the goal from Brian Rust ties the game. Uh, just a really stupid goal. Um, there was, I don't know, everyone was falling over. Brian Rust, I think, was like on his butt on the ice when the puck went in. It went in, the net came up, and it went out the other side of the net again, I think. Just a really stupid goal, obviously. Um, the second goal, I felt like could have been goaltender interference. Um, they, no, excuse me, that wasn't the goaltender interference goal. That was Sidney Crosby's first goal, which was fine. It is what it is. Sidney Crosby's good at hockey, like breaking news. Um, the second Crosby goal is the one that I kind of had an issue with. Um, goaltender interference in this league is such a, just, we're going to spin the wheel and see what happens. Um, power play goal from Crosby. Uh, Malkin, uh, Evgeny Malkin, really nice play. Uh, just completely took Jack Rostovic out of the, out of the picture, um, sent him to the shadow realm. Uh, by by way of Deking, passed it to Gensel. Uh, Gensel passed it to, well, I think Gensel shot it, actually, and it bounced off Crosby into the net. Um, now, this, to me, felt like goal interference. Crosby was in the blue paint. He was interfering with uh, Muslikin's ability to make a save, and um, it just, I don't know, man. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a good goal which obviously meant that it counted as a good goal because that's, I think that's how goal interference works is um, whatever you think it is, it's actually the opposite. So it's now 3-1 at the end of the second period uh, to the Penguins on a power play goal, two even strength goals. Um, and, you know, two of those three goals were just extremely stupid. Um, however, at this point, I did look at the stats. Um, Elvis saved, at this point, anyway, I believe he was up to... Um, I think 24 of 27 saves. All three goals were high danger shot attempts. 
uh, or shots uh, or shots for, excuse me. Um, so he made five of eight high danger saves and then saved all of the low danger and the medium danger ones. So like, like at this point, there's not a ton that the team could ask him to do. I thought that was played really well in this game, actually. Um, it's a shame that that last goal counts on his stats. Um, Teddy Beluga scores his first of the season. Obviously, stop me if you've heard this before. Um, at the uh, near the end of the third period, it was supposed to be an empty net goal. Uh, Elvis decided, actually, no, I'm going to sprint sprint across the ice, throw my stick, and then throw myself. Fortunately, it didn't work. Would have been really cool if it had. Um, but technically, I think that counts as a four-on-four goal. Um, but just a just not a great. Not a great offensive effort. Um, I think um, Trent Jarry was very good in this game. That's, that's I think, something to be said is, okay, the Blue Jackets didn't necessarily maybe sh- do the best job of shooting, but I think um, Tristan Jarry was excellent. He made 38 of 39 saves. Um, he allowed one even strength goal. So sometimes a goalie just has a game and Tristan Jarry for, you know, as much as I hate it, is not a very, is, is sorry, excuse me, is quite a good goalie. So it it is what it is. Um, in a vacuum, this it, this game is fine. It happens. It's a game against the Penguins on a Tuesday. Like the Penguins are a good team. Still, it's really annoying, but the Penguins are a good team. They've got good players. Um, even missing Chris Letang, they've still got very good players. Um, you know, I mean, Crosby and Malkin don't seem to slow down any. Jake Gensel exists solely to frustrate me. Jason Zucker had a good game. Uh, Brian Rust had a good game. Like, these are all good players. Um, sometimes the Blue Jackets just, just don't show up sometimes. Um, oh, no, that's that's unfair, because I think for the most part, the Blue Jackets did show up. Unfortunately, and this is something we're going to talk about in the next session, in the next segment, the players that showed up were not the players that were being rewarded with ice time necessarily and this is something that i've complained about on this show before but we're kind of we're, we're going more into it we're getting angrier we're getting more in depth so that's coming up in just a minute on locked on blue jackets but first i've got to tell you about bet online uh it is your number one source for all your sports betting information stats news and analysis you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball soccer esports they've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Now, I believe in yesterday's episode, I did make a bet that uh, Johnny Gaudreau was going to open the scoring for the Blue Jackets. So, hey, if you listen to me and you'd put some money on that at BetOnline.net, then you could have uh, could have made a little bit of money. So, head to the website today, or use your laptop or mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online is where the game starts. So, unfortunately, we have to talk about Brad Larson because he is kind of driving this team into the ground. Um, Cole Sillinger, again, nine and a half minutes of ice time in total. Um, Igor Chinikov, 11-16. Karel Marchenko making his NHL debut. I really liked Marchenko. Um, I thought he had a, a, a very good, solid debut. Nothing, like, flashy, but I thought he had a solid debut. 10 minutes and 3 seconds. That's just the, the all-time ice time. Um, if you go to natural stat trick, which is what I tend to use for my after-game post, uh, post-game post stuff, um, and you go to, you know, you look at the the, the impact that, te- that players had on the ice, um, and you go to shot attempts for 
percentage. Um, Igor Chinikov was on the ice for 13 shot attempts for and one against. Cole Sillinger was on the ice for 12 shot attempts for and one against. And that's only at five on five. Um, so that's not counting the, the power play. If you switch that to the power play, um, then it turns into Igor Chinikov was on the ice for 19 shot attempts for and one against. And they had 11 minutes of ice time. Cole Sillinger, 14 and one, nine and a half minutes. Uh, Kent Johnson, 23 4 9 against in 15 minutes of ice time. Like, we're not, we haven't talked about Kent Johnson right now, but I feel like it better saying that he's. I don't know what more this kid can do. Um, Brad Larson keeps saying that he has to play the right way. Um, I actually really liked uh, Kent Johnson's utilization in this game. He got a ton of power play time. Uh, he got some time on the top line. Uh, there was a, a Goudreau Johnson Marchenko line for a minute there, which was a ton of fun. Um, just, I don't know, man. It's so frustrating to see these kids perform and then they don't get rewarded with ice time because for whatever reason, the Blue Jackets feel like they have to play um, Olivier, Crowley, and Robinson, who, I mean, I like I like Eric Robinson. I like Sean Corrali. Um, I can give or take Mathieu Olivier, but I understand why he's there. Um, those three players... Uh, Matthew Olivier, 11.37 ice time, 11 attempts for 14 against. Corrali, 14.13 of ice time, 13 attempts for 19 against. And Eric Robinson, 11 attempts for 19 against in 13 and a half minutes ice time. The only player worse than Corrali and Robinson was Andrew Peake, uh, who had 12 attempts for and 33 against. Um, something I do want to mention as well, while I'm, while I'm calling guys out, uh, I do want to acknowledge... Eric Branson had a very good night. Um, he only played 17 and a half minutes, which again, I think this is part of my part of my issue is that they're playing the guys they're playing some guys too much and that's impacting their performance. Some guys are designed to only play limited minutes, you know? Um, I think playing Eric Branson 27 minutes a night is a mistake. I think he can be effective if you limit his minutes, and we kind of saw that against the Penguins. Uh 25 shot attempts for 15 against in 17 and a half minutes of ice time. Uh, he was actually their third best defenseman behind uh, Tim Burney, who made his NHL debut. I thought he had a solid game. Um, minus, he took a minor penalty and also uh, caused a penalty shot. But hey, penalty shot, Elvis saved it. It's fine. Um, I really, really liked Tim Burney's game. Um, I thought he held his own solidly. Uh, 19 attempts for eight against. Um, and Marcus Bjork, who again, continues to impress. 30 attempts for 17 against. Uh Overall, when you look at when you look at the the stats, like this wasn't a terrible game. Uh, everyone except Roslovic, Olivier, Bayrou, Corrali, Robinson, and Peak had a uh, at a goalie four percent above fifty nine percent, which is not always the case with uh, with the Blue Jackets. They have kind of been a black hole of possession, um, but this was a really good game for them. Unfortunately, if you stack that up against the ice time. Like it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, your your leading scorer or your leading ice time guy, excuse me, Vladislav Gavrikov, is at the low end of positive for Corsi Four. He's at fifty nine percent. He's the the lowest positive player. Um, if that makes sense. On the flip side, you've got guys playing thirteen and a half minutes who have got seventy percent. Um, you know, Tim Burney played the least of any defenseman. Oh, excuse me, Gary Berry played less by three seconds. 
Um, so Tim Bernie played the second least time and had the best possession impact. You know, it's very much in the same vein of Nick Blankenberg, who didn't get a ton of ice time and was just killing people on possession. Um, but the, the 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 thing for me and the most striking thing is that Chinakov, Sillinger, Marchenko line, um, they dominated possession. After the first period, they had, I think, um, Cole Sillinger was, was 6-0 on, on shot attempts four. He had 6-4-0 against in the first period. So obviously that meant that he had to sit most of the second period. Um, if you go and look at the shift reports, um, where is it? I don't know where the, the the thing that I was looking at is, but the shift chart, here it is. Um, Cole Sillinger had three shifts in the first period, two shifts in the second period, and then six shifts in the third period when they finally realized, hey, this kid's, you know, doing okay. And that still only added up to nine and a half minutes. What are we doing? What are we doing? Like, at the end, the end of the day, I understand that just because you have potential, that doesn't mean you should be handed ice time. I get that. And I know that this league leans on experience over basically anything else. But that being said, this feels like a really great way to ruin your players' development, especially a guy like Sillinger, who had a fantastic rookie season, I thought. A guy like Chinakov, who maybe didn't have as great of a rookie season as everyone thought he was going to, but put in the work over the summer, came back, had a phenomenal preseason, and once again, has been putting in the work. If we go to um, team reports or, you know, team, team stats, uh, and you look at how the these players shape up versus, you know, the rest of the guys on the ice who are, again, getting more ice time than... Cole Sillon just, like, had the lowest ice time of, I think, anyone on the ice. Um, I don't think any of the Penguins had... Uh, actually, excuse me, that's a lie. Uh, they had one Penguin, two Penguins, had less ice time. And that was Josh Archibald and Danton Heinen. They had less ice time than Cole Sillinger. Like, it's just... It drives me up the wall it really does and like is it just me maybe but I feel like if you have guys like that if you have players like Cole Sillinger then why aren't you why aren't you doing the best that you can to make them succeed if they're playing well give them ice time um and a friend brought this up um in a in a group chat last night which is for better or worse I think what you like about Tortorella I tend to be higher on the torts side than the not taunt side say what you like about him if a player was playing well, he played them, you know? Um, did he? Did the kids have a short leash with Tortorella? Yes, but at least they actually got the leash, um, you know? And I'm starting to wonder, would I rather have a coach that gives them opportunities and then benches them as soon as they make a mistake, like Tortorella did, or a coach that just doesn't give them the opportunity in the first place? Because I feel like neither of those are good options. But for me, not even playing them in the first place is the more frustrating one because it's not even giving them the option to show that they can do good things. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit more about this in, in just a second. Cause I have more to say about the young players on this team, especially, um, but that's coming up next on locked on blue jackets. So the, and this is the other thing for me as well is the team is bad. The team is not making the playoffs. 
you know, I think, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, mathematic elimination, whatever. Like, the team is at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They're at the bottom of their division. Like, they're near the bottom of the whole friggin' league. Like, I'm pretty sure there's only, like, two teams below them, and it's Anaheim who are doing the best to tank, and Chicago, yeah. Like, the Blue Jackets are tied with Arizona and Chicago for the second worst record. Like, San Jose has a better record than them, and they're actively trying to be bad. It's just, it's so frustrating. The season is basically, and it, it feels weird to say that the season is basically a wash on, um, it is it is December 7th, as I, as I record this, if you're coming to this late. When do you call the season a wash? When do you give up on the season? Um, and I don't know that there's necessarily a season that you should give up on yet, but what does it hurt by letting the kids play? You know, I can understand if it's, um, you know, I think about uh, the Chicago 2015 Cup run, I believe it was, where they played basically with three and a half defensemen for the entire second half of that playoff run because they didn't trust the bottom six guys or the bottom the bottom pairing. You know, um, they basically ran with four, three and a half or four defensemen for the entire the entire playoffs like that to me i don't like it but it makes sense to me your team is bad your team is losing um you have players that even if you're in a bad game even if you're losing putting players on the ice is giving them experience it's teaching them things you know like tim bernie uh again great game last night had a couple of moments where it was very much oh he's he's facing down Sidney crosby he's facing down yogeni malkin you know like those teacher player things, even if they don't go the right way necessarily the first time, you learn things. You learn things by losing way more than you'd learn by sitting on the bench and watching other players lose instead. Um, and I get that some guys are making money. You don't want to sit your high-paid guys, but I don't know, man. It's just it's just so frustrating to watch. Um, I was talking to, to JD Young, host of, of Locked on Sharks, about this. I was like, man, how did you make it through the Sharks season last year? Um, he just texted me a picture of uh, William Eklund and Thomas Bordelow. And like, I get it, the future. But I don't know what happens if the Blue Jackets, you know, knock on wood, if the Blue Jackets win the lottery, if they get Connor Bedard. If they get a top three pick, then they're getting, you know, Bedard, Fantilli, or likely Leo Carlson. You know, there's there's a, a handful of guys that they could pick at the top three, and I'd be like, yes, this is an immediate game changer for, for this team. I don't know that this team can succeed with Brad Larson in charge. Um, I don't think they're going to fire him. He's got a year left on his contract after this. They don't want to pay him for that year if he's not going to be playing. Um, I think they hired him for a reason, and that reason was that they can get him for cheap because they thought the team was going to be bad last season. The team overachieved last season. Um, everyone thought, oh, they've taken a step forward. Adding Johnny Gaudreau wasn't enough to turn this team into a contender, um, which, I mean, I, I fully admit I was wrong about that. I thought, hey, Johnny Gaudreau can help this team get to the next level, but I don't know that this team can get to the next level the way that they're being deployed right now. I truly don't, um, and I don't really know what I can do about that because it's. I hate it here. I really do. Um, 
this has been a really frustrating episode to to record. It's been a really frustrating kind of couple of weeks for the Blue Jackets, but it's not all doom and gloom. Like I said, I think for bright sparks, that's the thing. And it's frustrating that you're seeing these bright spots. You're seeing Cole Sillinger dominate. You're seeing Tim Burney make his NHL debut and just blow guys away. And it feels like a waste because they're not going to do anything. Like Kirill Marchenko, especially, I tweeted kind of, you know, tongue in cheek about how he's going to get two games. He's going to play eight minutes each game and then get sent back to Cleveland because Brad Larson has, has, has his lineup that he likes and he's going to stick with that. You know, it was very much last night. Um, and I mentioned this on, on Twitter. There was a moment where Jody Shelley, the, the color commentator for the Blue Jackets said something along the lines of man, Larson's really shortening the bench out there. Um, he wants his best players on the ice to go for it. And then immediately he was like, and there's the fourth line on the ice. So even when he's shortening the bench, there are still guys getting the ice time that are not going to help this team win. Are they Are they hurting the team? Maybe not. And I think that's, I'm being too too critical of that fourth line, I think. I mean, maybe I'm expecting too much from them, but if they were playing, you know, the, the customary eight to 10, maybe 12 minutes a night that a fourth line should be getting, Maybe I wouldn't have so much of a problem with it. When you're playing Matthew Olivier like 15 minutes a night to drop the gloves and record like one shot on goal, like that's when I have a problem. Um, so this is this is not me being critical of the fourth line. This is me being critical of how the fourth line is being used because I do think they can be effective. I just think they're not being used in the right way. And it's the same situation for the young guys, for that Cole Sillinger line, for um, you know guys like Ken Johnson. They're just they're not being used the right way, and eventually, in the long term, I think that's going to hurt them. And I think Brad Larson is hurting this team. I think he's hurting this team's future. Um, you know, if he was if he was bad at coaching, I would accept that. Like, I think very few coaches in the NHL are good at coaching. But he has taken this roster and he has made it into less than the sum of its parts. Um, and for better or worse, the thing about John Tortorella is he made he makes a team into more than some of its parts. You know, you look at kind of Philadelphia started to regress a little bit, but you look at kind of what they did in the first part of the season. And I was like, yeah, that's a John Tortorella coach team. I don't I miss I miss that first season with Tortorella when he was motivating guys. And that's the thing about Larson versus Tortorella is I don't think Larson knows how to properly motivate guys. I think he's a player's coach. I think he's a friend, a friend coach as opposed to a boss coach if that makes sense um he's the manager at, at the the retail place that you work that wants to be your friend but doesn't want to manage but wants to get paid to manage like that's that's who brad larson is um and it's endlessly endlessly frustrating to watch um blue jackets are in buffalo tonight we'll see how that goes um buffalo's doing better than expected i feel like buffalo is um one of those teams where i always just assume that they're terrible and then they're actually kind of middle of the road i mean they're not not doing great they're 11 13 and 1 but they're doing better than the blue jackets um so it'll be we'll see can i assume corpusalo will start um he's been the better goalie um although i don't think elvis was bad by any stretch of the imagination last night um we'll see we'll see how it goes hopefully the blue jackets can can do something do anything to show me that there is a competent coach on this bench or, you know, a team that can succeed sometimes despite incompetent coaching. Uh, and that's what we'll talk about tomorrow. We'll uh, we'll break down tonight's game against the Buffalo Sabres. 
we'll hopefully get to break down a win, but who friggin' knows at this point? Um, maybe I'll just tweet Conor Bedard highlights for the rest of the season. Um, it's been Lock on Blue Jacket. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jacket. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejacket at gmail.com. Um, thank you for listening to, to my ranting. Uh, I did not mean to rant for as long as I did, but sometimes it just happens. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also over on YouTube. So if you haven't hit subscribe over there, feel free to do so. And uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.